Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's character and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. is 8.02 and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. We'll remind you that in the 10 o'clock hour, Scoops with Danny Mack will feature the Cardinal skipper, Mike Schilt. So you'll want to stick around to 101 ESPN for that and hear from Schilty. And coming up in just a few minutes at 8.15, we're going to talk to Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach at the University of Missouri. A lot going on in terms of either not starting sports or starting sports and Michelle will start with Arizona they're saying hey if you want to play on Saturday we're open you can do it and I'm saying Randy should we pack our bags yeah let's go let's go if somebody's gonna play we're in but if you're, if you're one of the leagues aren't you saying okay they're open for business especially if you're baseballing you know you have facilities there I'm I'm looking at this if I'm a league to say okay this is our opportunity to figure something out and it's interesting that baseball at one point was thinking about doing everything in Arizona and I would think that that's still on the table for them but baseball has some problems yesterday the ownership talked to the Players Association. They didn't make a formal proposal, but John Heyman of MLB Network tweets, MLB's position is that it will lose more money if they play games without fans and pay prorated salaries than if they didn't play at all. Thus, owners are saying they will not pay prorated salaries. They want the salaries with the 40% reduction because they don't have any fans, and that may or may not be true, but that is absolutely a threat. If you're a player that is used to spending a lot of money because you make a lot of money and there's a chance that you could not play and make any money at all, I would think that when you think about that in terms of not making any money for 2020 mm-hmm. because of the virus, that might cause you to call Tony Clark and say, you know what, let's think about at least negotiating here. You would think so. And what I hope both parties realize is that it's going to be painful for both of them. The, the situation and the set of circumstances that both sides are dealing with are far from ideal. The owners are losing a lot of money. The players are going to have to give a little bit financially here for this to work. And the more I think about this, I am normally so pro-player when it comes to situations like this. Because as a player, you have only a finite amount of time to earn as much as you can in this game. You're a cog in this machine and... Uh, 
owners make tough business decisions all the time and they can they can move on from you. So while you have this opportunity, I know you want to make as much money as possible. But you have to take a step back and look at the landscape of our country right now and say, you know what? I have free will and I live in America and I don't have to show up and do this if I don't feel it's safe and if I don't feel it's comfortable. And number two, there are I, and I never, ever take this stance because sports is not like what you and I deem to be the real world. Their working environment is completely different than us. Their set of rules and what is allowed there is completely different what is allowed in a normal American workplace. So I normally never make this correlation. However, there are tons of Americans that wake up every morning that are forced to make a choice about going into work under these circumstances. And a lot of them don't have the financial security that a lot of these athletes have. And they're having to make that decision every day day. So I truly think that if baseball players are looking at this situation and they say, hey, it's not even really the safety that we're concerned about. It's the money. It is going to leave a terrible taste in so many fans mouths. And I don't and I think that they should avoid that at all costs. And in yesterday's meeting, reportedly money was not a part of the discussion. Jeff Passan of ESPN. It's not just the fact that they're going to be in these municipalities. It's that they need to get the permission of politicians. They need to get the permission of uh, governors uh, like T.J. Quinn from ESPN has reported. Rob Manfred has called all the governors in the states where baseball plays trying to get them to be on board. And something like that is really, really difficult to do considering we don't know what the spread of the coronavirus is going to look like. Not on top of that, when you're playing in home stadiums, as opposed to just one location, like they could have in the Arizona plan or Arizona and Texas and Florida, you're traveling. And when you're traveling, you are exposing yourself. And when you're exposing yourself to potentially catching the virus, again, that goes back to the health and safety issues. And those safe health and safety issues, Michelle, include the California teams. In California yesterday, or at least in L.A. County, they extended their stay-at-home orders through the end of July. So the Dodgers, theoretically, and the Angels wouldn't be able to play mm -hmm. until the end of July at their home ballparks. Arizona's looking better and better, right, yeah, Randy? It is. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, it, Terry Francona was on with SVP last night on Sports Center, and uh, he, he said one of the things that he talked about was, hey, we should never complain. He should be kind of the voice of baseball because he's a logical guy, and he we talk about the real world. You talked about it. He is, appears to understand the real world. He does. And not only is he a logical guy, he's um, someone that is in a power position within baseball. You know, there's a lot of people that could come out and give their opinions on this. But Terry Francona carries a certain amount of gravitas that when he speaks on this issue, people are going to listen to him. And he was a part of the Players Association. His father, as a matter of fact, was a player when the Players Association started. He was a member of the Players Association as a longtime veteran player and has watched the growth of baseball financially. And he talked to SVP about the comments that Tony Clark, the Players Association chief, made about how the owners are using this as a way to get what they want during a pandemic. I don't think you can necessarily take to heart every single thing that's said in a in a quote in a newspaper or online. You know, the, the, the Players Association, the owners, everybody's trying to, to leverage whatever they can. I think all the parties involved are smart enough to know that we need to have baseball be a celebration of sorts rather than a PR nightmare. And I think it, people are smart enough to know that. 
I hope Terry Francona, what he's saying, I hope both parties involved do do agree with him. And I hope that they're understanding that optically and really in the history of sports in America, they're at a crossroads here. They are literally at a fork in the road where if they figure out a way to do this, people are going to remember watching baseball and watching live sports return to American culture. And as Terry Francona said, it's going to be celebrated and people will remember that. If they take a right at the fork in the road and they say, hey, we're not playing without our full salaries. The money here is too much of an obstacle. Again, Americans are never going to forget that. I want to know how you view this because the reports, okay, we've got reports of a Major League Baseball ownership proposal, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's it's sourced, but there is no name or face to it. Tony Clark is a name and a face of the Players Association saying we aren't going to accept that. Mm-hmm. I I think that that hurts the Players Association. I think they would be better to have an anonymous source saying we aren't going to accept that. Tony Clark now is an object of vitriol for us because he is the one, he's the perceived face that is holding things up. Even though, as Jeff Fasson said, there's so many other things that have to be worked through before he even gets to money. You've got Tony Clark out there talking about money. I get where you're coming from, and I think... It's just the fact that it is easy to look at a a definitive Tony Clark and say he's the villain. But I think the only reason he's being vilified is because he's saying no. Mm -hmm. If, If the Players Association had come to the table first and said, here's our reasonable side of this. Here's what we're willing to do. And the owners, even if it was just a general leech source about ownership said no, people would be vilifying the owners. People want it to be a yes. There's so many Americans going to work right now saying, you know what? Baseball players are making so much money and I'm not getting put in an incubated, you know, workplace where everybody around me has been tested. Mm -hmm. I'm going into situations where I'm more at risk every day and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this, but I don't have a choice because I have to make money for my family. So when they hear the players and the player association saying, hey, we understand that you're going to control the environment. They're going to be testing available. And we understand that the revenue pot is not going to look the same because owners are taking a massive hit financially without fans in the stand. But that's not enough for us. We want more money. I think that's why they're getting vilified. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And that is today's Fresh Take. Next up, our first ever visit with the new head coach of the football program at the University of Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz is next on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and it's great to visit with the new head football coach at the University of Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz on Carricker and Smallman. First time that we've had an opportunity to get coach on the radio, and he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Coach Drink, great to have you with us on the air here in St. Louis. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. It's always good to be on the airways in St. Louis and uh, just preaching the message of Mizzou football. Thank you for letting me be on here with you. Coach, speaking of the message of Mizzou football, anytime you go to a new job or a new program, you learn about that institution's history and their traditions. So I want to know what's the one thing or maybe one of your favorite things that you have learned about Mizzou as a program and as a university in your time as their head coach? Well, I mean, there's just a, uh, there's a lot of those. Uh, but I think the funnest thing for me, and this is kind of a, a sappy deal, but my, my two-year-old loves to hear the fight song. And she loves to say Mizzou rock, Mizzou rock. <laughs> and so uh, just seeing that kind of stuff is what, what makes it exciting. Obviously, you got Truman. You've got the great history of, 
uh, Don Toro, and, and you've got the great history of Gary Pinkle, and you know watching the uh, Chase Chats reunion the other day with with Chase Daniel and and, and uh, you know Jeremy Macklin and all those guys that that really put Mizzou on the map from a national standpoint in the early 2000s. Uh, you know all those things when they come back. You know you see them from afar. But when you're in the middle of it now and you see how much excitement and energy it brought and, and what we're trying to get back to, it gets you excited about the task at hand. Coach, you mentioned Chase Daniel. You've got Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbert, Brad Smith, now Drew Locke. Mizzou has really produced a lot of NFL talent at quarterback. I mean, even those earlier teams that you were mentioning, a lot of NFL talent, period. And it seems like Mizzou does not get enough love nationally for producing quarterbacks that are NFL caliber. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously we've got four NFL. We have three NFL current quarterbacks on rosters, and, and uh, obviously Brad Smith had a great role in his in the league for the things that he accomplished. So, you know, I think there was an article. Um, I think it was maybe a couple of months ago about about you know QBU and, and Mizzou was ranked in that. Um, but I don't think there's you know. I, we just have to continue to do a great job of putting a great product on the field that gains national reputation. And for me, my job is to recruit the state of Missouri in order to do that. You know, 26 of the 41 draft picks since the year 2000 from Mizzou have come from this state. And the guys you mentioned, obviously Blaine Gabbert, Marcus Golden, Jeremy Macklin, those guys are St. Louis guys, you know, and so, uh, our task, our job right now as a, as a coaching staff and as a recruiting staff and as a university is to get to St. Louis, shut down those borders. We even like East St. Louis. We want those guys to, um, and we got to get them to come play for Mizzou because when we do that, that's when Mizzou is at its best. Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at Mizzou with us on 101 ESPN. And obviously these are unusual times in regards to recruiting, but how, how do you feel the start went from the day you were hired to the day that we were all sent into quarantine? How, how are things going here in St. Louis and across the straight state in Kansas City too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's going as well as expected. Um, obviously, I knew that when we got in here, the number one thing for me was to present a clear message um, to our to the entire spirit of Mizzou. And for me, the spirit of Mizzou is St. Louis, Kansas City, and rural Missouri. And we've got to unite all of those guys, all of those people in the same message that the flagship university needs to establish itself as the dominant, you know, monster of the Midwest, as you might say. You know, we have a great brand. We're backed up by the best conference in college football in an area that doesn't have that same type of uh, backing, you know. And so we've got to make hay in our area, and uh, I think it's going really well. You know, our players, obviously, that's that's what you miss. You miss the, the camaraderie and, and um, the practices with your guys. But we're trying to do the very best we can with Zoom. And I, I will say this, you know, I used to uh, make fun of all these the gamers or the kids because they're <laughs> always on their games. But now that's how we all communicate, basically, it's virtually. So maybe they were ahead of the time. <laughs> exactly. Coach, you mentioned Gary Pinkle earlier, and obviously he's still around the campus. What sort of information, what sort of insight have you gotten from Gary that has helped you out early on in having this job? Well, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, he's been really good as far as being able to talk about programs and, and different strategies that he had in recruiting and different ways that he looked at players. Obviously he did an outstanding job recruiting. Um, and obviously he's the, the winningest coach in Mizzou football history. So I have a lot of tremendous amount of respect for him 
and the job he did. Um, and so, you know, anytime you can get information or wisdom, uh, I think it's, it's imperative that you do that. But I've also done that, you know, there's other people too that, that have been able to be extremely helpful for me uh, to gather information on what best way to continue to build Mizzou. I mean, Demetrius Johnson has been unbelievable for me. Uh, you know, I know Demetrius is very active in the St. Louis community, and he's been great in helping me get uh, connected. You know, Howard Richards has been tremendous. Uh, there's been high school football coaches that have been outstanding in, in, in making sure that I know the lay of the land and how the best, you know, what's the best way and how do I bridge the gap between uh, what's happened in the past and where we're going in the future. Coach, you mentioned connecting with your players and your team via Zoom, and that's how you guys communicate. But when you think about a college football player and their life, a lot of it's very regimented. A lot of it's scheduled, and they have to follow a certain flow to their day. Has that been difficult for you and your staff to connect with the players and make sure that they're following the things that you had set in place for them? Or And conversely, has it been difficult, if you've spoken to players about it, for them under these circumstances to be able to follow that schedule? Yeah, I mean, it's been extremely difficult. Everybody is, you know, they're 18 to 22-year-old men who are having the opportunity when they're in college football to have structure and discipline around their lives to help them achieve what they want to achieve. They're not professionals yet as much as everybody wants to try to make them that. Um, the reality of it is they're still longing and needing and wanting that training. Now, with the, S uh, the NCAA and SEC restrictions on it, we're only able to provide information on what they should be doing in order to train, but we don't have the ability to check on them or, or ask them. We can't ask them, did you get a workout today? That's, that's just not, that's not within the rules. So we have to trust that they're disciplined and like-minded. And, you know, we tell these guys a lot, you really don't have a choice. Uh, it takes what it takes to be successful. It takes what it takes to be great. And there's really not a choice in the matter. And that's, there's this illusion out there that we have all these choices in life. Well, I get to choose to go to bed or, uh, late, and I get to choose to eat McDonald's quarter pounder instead of uh, the food that's healthy. But if you're truly trying to be an elite football player, if you're truly trying to help us win the SEC East in a bowl game with class integrity and academic excellence, there really is no choice. Have uh, you, you have to do these things. Have you made the choice for the quarter pounder lately? <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually on a diet. Uh, you know, I've, I've made I've made a lot of choices at Andy's Custard, and uh, I've I've decided that I'm, I'm personally on a diet, and I'm one of these weird guys that just wants to try his own stuff. So I'm on a I'm on a unique diet this week, and we're gonna we're gonna get some weight loss. We're gonna cut some weight this week. Okay, tell us about this unique diet. What are we doing? Now, I got, well, okay, I'm, I'm going oatmeal diet. Uh, yeah, I've decided that you know, I like oatmeal. And you can have it, you know, with different kinds of fruits and stuff. So this week, it's an oatmeal diet. Yeah, I don't know why, but that's what I'm going with this week. Sounds delicious. It sounds like you can really, <laughs> really shake it up with, with different toppings there, Coach. You can. I mean, you can. You've got maple brown sugar. you got apple spice. you got cinnamon spice. You can add different kinds of fruits into it. Uh, but when I was thinking about it, I've been on keto before, and I really like it. But, you know, keto gets a little bit too heavy on the fats. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try something different. I'm, I'm doing no sugar, uh, no, no Andy's custard, uh, <laughs> and no late night runs to the cookie bin in the house. So we're trying to lock down and, uh, you know, get, get ourselves ready and get ourselves in shape. Coach, there's a lot of Tigers fans listening that might be in the same situation where they've gone to the, the cupboard or the, or the custard stop one too many times. And I think you might have started a trend. I, might, I think we might see a lot of people out there doing the oatmeal <laughs> diet and attribute it to you. 
Well, we'll see. I'm going to let you know. You know, you can call. Let's get touch base next week. I'll let you know how it's gone. Uh, you know, it started out with a with a bang. I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I have my little oatmeal square in the morning, and I have at night I have my two packs and, and uh, blackberries last night, strawberries the night before. So I feel pretty good about where it's going, but, but we'll see. Hey, there's a coach that's done pretty well with oatmeal, oatmeal cream pies for breakfast. I've uh, never heard of it. Saban, Saban has two for breakfast. Little Debbie at, uh, oatmeal cream pies, two for breakfast every single morning. Yeah, we're talking about Mizzou football, man. <laughs> Take that Alabama stuff down there to, to Birmingham, man. We're, we're talking about the Tigers. Right? <laughs> so, that's right, Coach. We're talking about oatmeal cream pies. That's just got artificial sugar that's not on my diet. Yeah, we're trying to be healthy, Randy, okay? <laughs> yeah, come on, Randy. What, what are you trying to do sneaking in? A, we're in the same league, dadgummit. All right, crud. We're recruiting the same players. All yes. right? Coach, you got to yeah. watch Randy, okay? He'll do this. He's, yeah. he's tricky that way. Yeah. Was that a shot? Because I coached at Auburn before, man? Come on, man. Was we, we ain't talking about oatmeal cream pies. You want to talk about Little Debbie's? We can talk about Honey Buds. We can talk about Bud Brownies. We can talk about Swiss Cake Rolls. We can talk about anything you want, but we're not talking about oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, this is a, an oatmeal... Cream pie free zone. That's actually a tough, yeah. tough phrase to say. But coach, you know, normally your days are probably packed from sunup to sundown. I'm sure that that's no different during quarantine. But you may have found your your schedule having you know a little peaks and valleys here and there where you might have a little bit more free time. Have you picked up any new hobbies? I don't know if you have time for it or maybe watched a show that you normally wouldn't have time for. Has anything yeah. new happened yeah. during quarantine? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: I don't have a lot of hobbies. I've got four daughters, ten, seven two and seven months. So my hobbies are taking care of them and, and helping them and trying to reconnect and be the best father I can be. Now, with that being said, they have a strict nine o'clock bedtime. Uh, that's my two oldest. My other ones go to bed at seven thirty and eight respectively. But with that being said, I've been able to catch up on some Netflix, you know, and I don't know if we want to get into conspiracies and all this different stuff, but you know, I have seen Tiger King. It was, it was really sad. It started out kind of intriguing and then it just got really sad. And then I watched Waco, and uh, you know that was an interesting show for sure. Uh, and then and then I watched Jerry Seinfeld's you know Twenty Three Hours to Kill, and and I thought all three of those were pretty 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 funny, pretty good. Well, Coach, hopefully, um, since Tiger King was the kind of the quarantine trend, everyone watched it. I think that you just as as Mizzou, you need to take the Tiger King name and brand and rebrand it into something positive. Well, if we win, we will. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the, that's the plan. We got, but we got to win first. And in order to win, we got to recruit great players, and we got to establish a culture that's conducive to winning. And all those things are what we're working on every single day. Well, coach, it's great to hear your voice, and we will check back in for the oatmeal diet. None of that other stuff. Just the oatmeal diet, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and see how that's going. And it's great to learn a little bit about you. Hear that things are going well, and uh, we love having you on the show. Hopefully, we can do it often. Yeah, I mean, Crud, all you got to do is send an invitation. I mean, it's not like I'm hard to get a hold of. What have y'all been waiting on? <laughs> You're in, my man. We appreciate it. All right. Y'all have a great day. You too. Take care. That is Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach at Mizzou. He's great. Terrific. So, And I like the, uh, the diet idea. I do too, and I bet it is effective. It, it has to be. And you were talking yesterday off the air about just taking sugar out of your diet completely. If you just... Remove that Andy's custard run and replace it with oatmeal with fruit. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot better for you. And, you know, Randy, as we're doing this show together, we're kind of establishing our own history and our own traditions. Mm -hmm. As of today, May 13th, 2020, Carriker and Smallman now officially an oatmeal cream pie free zone. We are.
Yeah. And I guess a Bama free zone, too. I'm not a Bama. No, of course I went not. down to uh, Tuscaloosa, and I watched and cheered hard for Mizzou, even though Jerry Judy scored like an 80-yard touchdown <laughs> on the very first play of the game. Yikes. Yeah. But... I was rooting for the Tigers. I root for the Tigers all the time. And Eli, hopefully Eli will be a regular with us here in, on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Good guy. That is Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got a fighter for the fight here on 101 ESPN. Think you can beat down Carriker? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Carriker, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN, 8.34 a.m. Normally, you would hear the fight at 4 p.m., the 4 o'clock fight on the fast lane. But since Randy has moved to the morning, we stole the fight. And now it's here on Character and Smallman in the morning. Freeze Pops, what's up? What are we fighting for today? We are fighting for a gift card to Dog Prairie Tavern. Experience St. Paul's hidden gem as Dog Prairie Tavern is offering carry-up food and drinks. And it is now open on the patio with their full menu and bar while practicing social distancing, of course. And for everyone not playing in the fight today, we also have a chance for you to score a gift card all week long on the 101 ESPN app. Enter the code word MEAT. That is M-E-A-T, MEAT, for your chance to win that gift card. I keep saying that we stole the fight and we stole Tioli, but I feel like those are Randy Carricker properties, no? I mean, he brought them to the fast lane, so he should be able to steal them back to the mornings or, I guess, remove steal from, from that phrase there. He should be able to carry them with him to the mornings, right? Exactly. When you move somewhere, you bring your stuff. Yeah. So he's just bringing point. his stuff with him. So we'll say the fight is essentially Randy's couch. I think we're having some te- technical difficulties with Freeze Pops here. Okay, before we welcome in our fighter, we're bringing in Colin, our board up here. Colin is our uh, stats and info department. Colin, what is Randy's record? Because I know that he technically lost once, but he's been on quite the streak here in the morning. So we all know that Randy is an incredibly smart person, but these numbers are a little bit ridiculous, okay? He's 6-1, and one, the one loss... He got all four correct. The fighter got all four correct as well. He is 27 of 28 in his questions or correct answers to the questions in the four o'clock fight. That's good for uh, just a 96 percent. I'd take a 96 percent on a test. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, I'd take it as well. Uh, And with all that being said, let's welcome in our fighter, John. John, how are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great, Michelle. Uh, before we hop in the fight, can I say a quick hello to my son, Braxton? He just finished up kindergarten, and he's very excited. I'm on with you guys this morning. So he was. Uh, he told me I better have my thinking cap on to be ready for Randy. So I just wanted to say a quick hello to him. Of course, and shout out Braxton. Congratulations, and thank you for listening. And, um, John, I hope that you listen to your son. I hope you do, in fact, have your thinking cap on because you're going to need it to take down Randy. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, question number one. When Stan Musial retired after the 1963 season, he ranked second all-time in career hits with 3,630. Who was the only player ahead of Musial on that list when he retired? Was it Ted Williams, Rogers Hornsby, or Ty Cobb? Ty Cobb. Question number two. Was Joel Quenville an assistant? Joel Quenville was an assistant coach before being hired by the St. Louis Blues to be their head coach midway through the 96-97 season. Or, excuse me, we got to start this over. Here, I'll just take this one. You got it. (laughs) Question number two, John. Where was Joel Quinville as an assistant coach before being hired by the Blues to be their head coach midway through the 96-97 season? Was it the Blackhawks, the Avalanche, or the Rangers? 
Uh, I hate hockey. Um, I'll go with the Rangers. Question number three. How many times did the football Cardinals make the postseason postseason in their 28 seasons in St. Louis? 12, 5, or 3? 5. Question number four. Which golf major has Phil Mickelson not won in his career? The U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, or the British Open? I believe it's the British Open. All right. Let's bring in Randy here. John. Do you feel like you brought your thinking cap? How are you feeling after you've run through those questions there? Uh, I feel pretty good on three out of four. Like I said, hockey is just uh, unfortunately not my strong area when it comes to trivia. So So you you said you don't like hockey. Did that change as the Blues went on their magical run to capture their first Stanley Cup championship? I definitely watched and absorbed more hockey and hockey knowledge last year than I had my previous uh, 36 years of life. Yeah, it was was a lot of fun, and I wrote that shit happening right now. Big, uh, big vacuum in St. Louis, not with it not going on. Yeah, you kind of had to get caught up in that ride. Uh, Randy is here. Randy, say hello to John, and please shout out his son, Braxton, who is listening. John, great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And Braxton, great to have you listening as well. And we hope that you are a future regular 101 ESPN listener, if you aren't already. (laughs) All right, Randy, you ready to go? Ready. Question number one. When Stan Musial retired after the 1963 season, he ranked second all-time in career hits with 3,630. Who was the only player ahead of Musial on that list when he retired? I would think that with 4,191, it was Ty Cobb. Question number two. Where was Joel Quinville an assistant coach before being hired by the Blues to be their head coach midway through the 96-97 season? Colorado. And they went to Colorado after he got fired here and was there. People don't remember that short stint as the head coach of the Avalanche before he went to Chicago. Question number three, Randy. How many times did the football Cardinals make the postseason in their 28 seasons in St. Louis? They made the playoffs in 74 and 76. And then the strike shortened season in 82 when they went 5-4-1. and one. So it was a total of three. Final question, Randy. Which golf major has Phil Mickelson not won in his career? He has, uh, did he win, uh, let's see, he's won the Masters. Did he finally win a U.S. Open? PGA. He's won a British. So it's between the PGA and the U.S. Open. And I think he overcame the hurdle at the U.S. Open and got one. So I'm going to go PGA. We have a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Sorry, John. Randy beat you three to one. Um, the only person ahead of Musial on the all-time career hits list when Musial retired was Ty Cobb. Joel Quinville was an assistant coach with the Avalanche before being hired as a Blues head coach. The football Cardinals made the postseasons three times in their 28 seasons in St. Louis. And Phil Mickelson has not won the U.S. Open. U.S. Open. He finished second a lot and choked a few times. Big time. John, I did not have my thinking gap on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's early. John, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, again, hi to Braxton. Thank you. Have a great day. John with us on 101 ESPN, where it is 841. A couple of notes. Number one, if you weren't with us earlier, Dan McLaughlin, Scoops with Danny Mack, is coming up at 10 o'clock. And the, the Cardinal manager, Mike Schilt, will be with Danny Mack. And Michelle 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Crown Candy Kitchen has reopened as of yesterday, curbside service. Ooh. We're getting lunch there today. Uh, I'm going to uh, go over and pick up a BLT. I was going to say, you have to go classic BLT and a milkshake, yep. right? Absolutely. That's what Gosh, I'm doing. Those BLTs. What a St. Louis institution. Yeah. So, Andy Candy is uh, up and running again. So, if you have the opportunity, you want a great carryout uh, meal, then head on over to Crown Candy Kitchen. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up... Who is your coolest cardinal right now, and who would you pay a bunch of money to hang out with and have a dinner with? We want your mic drops with the 101 ESPN mic drop feature, brought to you by Rhino Shield. And you can send us a text with the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We'll give you ours, but we want yours as well. Next on 101 ESPN. you about the article that Will Leach has at MLB.com, every Major League Baseball team's coolest player. And Michelle and I actually had, and I was surprised by this, differing opinions about who the coolest Cardinal player is. We want to hear from you with the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. Uh, and that is the Rhino Shield mic drop. You can use that, and we've got a couple ready. And we also would love to see your texts via the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. As a, a refresher, Michelle, your coolest cardinal is? When I think of cool, Randy, I think of uniqueness. I think of being interesting. I think of being multi-layered. And I think of being so confident and sure in your, of yourself that whatever you decide is cool becomes cool. And there's really only one person on the entire Cardinals roster that I can circle with a Sharpie and say definitively, you are the coolest, and that is Yadi or Molina. Yadi doesn't care if you don't think neck tats are cool. Yadi made neck tats cool. Yadi isn't just a baseball player, okay? He has a record label. He has a fashion line. He does all of these different things. He is a renaissance man, if you will. When Yadi walks in the room, people are paying attention. Mm-hmm. If Yadi decides to wear a grandpa cardigan and a straw fedora, he wears the outfit. The outfit doesn't wear him. Yachty is the coolest Cardinal, hands down, in my opinion. He has a lot going for him. There's no doubt about it. And I just go back to my younger days. And if I could have been Jack Flaherty when I was 24, I would have loved to have been that guy. He is very well-dressed. He's good-looking. He's highly competitive. He patterns himself very accurately, by the way, after the all-time greats. And when you see the all-time greats gravitate to a young guy... He's got to be cool. Mm-hmm. And when you have Carpenter and when you have uh, Bob Gibson saying, yeah, I want to be around this guy, that tells me a lot about the person. So I've got Flaherty at the top of my list. And Will Leach had Colton Wong. And Colton is another great choice because he's got it all going on, too. Colton's got style. He's got um, he's got. A very interesting cocktail of having flash but not being cocky about it. You know, he do- what he does with his style and his personality is exactly what he does on the field. He can turn a play that makes you say, wow. He can come out with an outfit that makes you say, wow, but it's not braggadocious, arrogant in your face. And that's why what you just described at an uber level is why Ozzie Smith is as cool as cool can get. And in the last <laughs> 35 years... He is the essence of Cardinal Cool. Ozzy is like the coolest guy. If you can run out there and do a backflip, like it's no big thing, you're cooler mm-hmm. than the other side of the pillow. Yeah. Let's hear from Joshua here on 101 ESPN with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Cool is so subjective, and I certainly wouldn't pay to hang out with anybody. I mean, that is not cool. But what is cool? Is it the opposite of goofy? Is it the opposite of brash? 
I mean, I agree it's the confidence, it's the swagger, but it's also the calmness and the composure, the overall demeanor. And who better than John Gant, right? He's got that Southern charm like a young Matthew McConaughey. Remember that time he hit that home run? He said, I was just trying to make contact, and uh, contact was made. <laughs> Johnny G. <laughs> It's a great call. Honestly, I think Joshua might be cooler than all of the people on the Cardinals <laughs> he roster. He just sounds cool, doesn't he? Does. he? When he the way he described what cool is, he's exactly right. But John Gant, I, I don't think a lot of people would have put him on their Mount Rushmore no. of cool Cardinals, but he certainly should be in the conversation. Johnny G. Johnny G. <laughs> Let's hear from Aaron next. Good morning, Randy and Michelle. You both are a dynamic duel. Randy, you rock. Michelle, you are totally awesome. If I had to choose between a Cardinal or former Cardinal player to spend money to go out and hang with, for some reason, I would have to pick Keith Hernandez. Don't ask me why. It's just something that I think would be an enjoyable conversation. Keith Hernandez hung out at Elaine's in New York City. That You got to be cool to do that. And he was one of the regulars. He was one of the people at Elaine's. So if you're hanging out at Elaine's, you're cool. I'm not familiar with Elaine's, but it sounds cool. It's like the huge, if you just uh, do a Google search for Elaine's New York, uh, Billy Joel refers to Elaine's in his in a couple of songs of his. Oh, done. Yeah. So, Automatically cool. Uh, but people, uh, let's see if I can, oh, it's closed now. Uh it was frequented by many celebrities, especially actors and authors. It was established and owned by Elaine Kaufman and was indelibly associated with the restaurant. Elaine shut down several months after Kaufman died, but it was a cool place. Elaine's New York. I love it. Are you surprised, Randy, that from all the people we've heard from and the conversations we've had about Coolest Cardinal, that no one has brought up Harrison Bader? I am surprised by that. We finally got a text. Bader for wardrobe and defensive flash. Yeah. I know that his hair. I was going to say he's got the flow. He's got the style. But um, the way that he plays the game is definitely cool. It's one of those. I know how good I am. I know how fast I am. I know what my skill set is out here in the field. And I I think about the way that he is defensively similar to Colton Wong, where he's going to go out there and make you say, wow, and that is cool. How about this? This is a good call uh, from the 314. I'd love to hit Gold's Gym Venice Beach with O'Neal. Wow. Amazing call. (laughs) O'Neal, inherently cool, right? Yeah. But then, number one, uh, 100% cool. But then when you're done working out, he says, you want to go out to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think, because that's Muscle Beach, right? Venice Beach. Yeah. How do you think O'Neal would fare there? Because while he He's is right there with him, a shred, he is a shredded guy. Yeah. yeah, I wonder. And that's such a cool factor, too, that you can take him there and that he can walk into that group of people and fit right in. Yeah. Uh, another text. The coolest Cardinal player ever is silent George Hendrick who was as nice a guy when I was an usher. He didn't talk to the media. He got burned when he was in Cleveland. And he had a great relationship and still does, I believe, with Kamish Rick Hummel, but Rick never quoted him. But George Hendrick loved the Lakers, was a Lakers season ticket holder. And we would talk basketball when I was an usher all the time. He was like an extremely vocal, but an extremely cool guy. Here's how cool George Hendrick was. He left after they won the 1982 World Series. He left out the wagon gate, went to his white Porsche in full uniform and just drove away. What a move. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So all these people are all over the field, missed the celebration, but just drove away in full uniform. 
in a Porsche. In this white Porsche, yeah. Who uh, do you think, Randy, is the coolest Cardinal of all time? I mean, you said Ozzy, but is there anyone else in that conversation for you? I, I don't think cool really became a thing probably until the 70s. Um, I, Lou Brock's walk-up song was the theme from the movie Shaft. You talk about just smooth, charismatic, good-looking, had it all going, put together, well-dressed all the time as a player and in his post-playing career. I think I would go with Lou as number one. Mm -hmm. Just totally cool. He was so cool that when he got traded here, Major League Baseball didn't give relocation bonuses to players that got traded. So if he had a place in Chicago, he had to rent another place in St. Louis, and they weren't making a ton of money. He couldn't get out of his lease in Chicago in June of 1964. So he commuted from Chicago to St. Louis every day. Every day. And one time he got pulled over, and he was driving his big Buick. I think he had a Buick uh, Electra. And he was going 95, and he got pulled over in Springfield. And the cop said, uh, hey, what are you doing? He said, I commute from Chicago to St. Louis every day. I play for the Cardinals. Fortunately, the cop was a Cardinal fan and didn't give him a ticket. And every day thereafter, when the cop was on the side of the highway, Lou was still going 95, and he didn't get any more tickets because he was just so cool. That seems so exhausting. Can you imagine no. driving that five hours every day to home games? Back and forth. Yeah, from June through October. Pass. Yeah, me too. Hard pass. Hard pass. Now, let's take a, a step back and look at the entire landscape of baseball. Do you have somebody that you think is the coolest player in baseball? Right now? Right now. Who has that title? See, that used to be a... I think that back in the day, that was an easier title because you had people like Don Baylor who were just such quintessential winners. Because I think to hold this title, you have to be enough of a you have you have to be a superstar. Yep. You have so which means you have to be good, and you have to have style. But mm-hmm. you you have to have. I, there's almost this intangible thing that you can't really put your finger on, but I think that that's kind of what baseball is missing. I ask that question because I think when you think of the NBA, when you think of the NFL, when you think of of different sports, you can point out somebody that you say he is the coolest guy without even thinking. And the fact that we have to strain to think about who would be the coolest person in baseball is kind of a baseball problem, don't you think? Yeah, and that's why I say back in the day, as recently as Derek Jeter. If you ask who's the coolest guy in baseball, it was Derek Jeter, right? We of course. Knew. Without, a, without question. And the Yankees don't really have that guy right now. It might be Aaron Judge, but I'm not sure. Uh, but he doesn't have that Jeter, Genesee Qua. No, he doesn't. And I don't, I don't know who does, to be honest with you. If you look around baseball... I don't think that anybody really fits that bill right now. Harper's probably the closest thing to it, Bryce Harper. Yeah, but even him, I mean. Is he cool? Is it real cool? That's the question about Harper. Or is he a product? He's a good good player. But is he more a product of the style and hair rather than the, the actual demeanor that makes somebody cool? He's pretty cool. But I don't know if he's a clear-cut number one. To me, though, when you talk about Derek Jeter, 
he was cool because there was an air of mystery around yeah. him. He played for the best team. He was the star of the best team. He dated all of these famous women. He was out on the town, but you never really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he was interesting. You wanted to know more about him and his life. Whereas when I think of Bryce Harper, I don't really care to know more about him and his life. He's cool, but he doesn't have that I want to know more about you vibe to him. I agree. Now, a lot of textures are texting in saying that with his hair flipped, the coolest in baseball today, when he had the American flag apparel on in the home run derby, that was so cool. So people do gravitate to to Bryce Harper, Mm -hmm. clearly. But like you said earlier, it's just not obvious. And maybe that's because he doesn't play for the best team and he's never been in the World Series. Maybe. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.